It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. So blessed and glad that you're able to join us. I know it is a strange voice to hear on a Friday afternoon. Uh, My name is Ed Taylor, and I'm sitting in today uh, for Pastor Eric. If you would, just be praying for Pastor Eric and his family as he takes some time away. Uh, And as he does, I am filling in and sitting in for him So this is the show where we take your calls and questions, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. If you're tuned in in Colorado and Wyoming uh, and on the app, you're listening live. This is a live broadcast from Grace FM. And remember, you guys on the East Coast, so glad that you're joining us. We are so blessed and encouraged to be a part of your lives now on the East Coast through the Hope FM radio network, you're hearing this show one week delayed. That doesn't mean you can't call. You should call, because if you call, you'll get a live, you'll be um, ministering, and and you'll be talking to a pastor live, but you won't hear it aired on the radio on the East Coast for a week. Uh, And it does... You know, sometimes it's a little confusing, but don't let it be. If you're listening to my voice right now, you're hearing this on the radio, call the show, 303-690-3000. If there's a busy, uh, there's a busy signal, then just wait for a few minutes and, and call back. Or if someone drops, as soon as we finish a call, that means a line is open and you can jump in with that open line. 303-690-3000. Also, the text line is 720-336-0897. While we wait for some calls to come in, we're going to read today's entry in my go-to devotional called Besides Still Waters by Charles Spurgeon. It is a devotional that's subtitled Words of Comfort for the Soul. Uh, I have to say that it's not always a comforting devotional. And the reason it's not always immediately, I will say, I should add that word immediately comforting, is because uh, Charles Spurgeon, even though we're separated by you know, almost 200 years, year and 150 years, uh, he, he just tells it like it is uh, and reminds us of the sovereignty of God and reminds us of the facts and the truth. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, when you're going through a trial, when you're going through grief, when you're battling ongoing issues, uh, you need somebody to tell you the truth. And sometimes it's safer to have someone tell you the truth from a book. Uh, not only the scriptures, because they're always going to tell you the truth, but somebody that God is gifted with the gift of pastor teacher to teach you the truth. So besides still waters, if you go to my website, edtaylor.org, there's a link on the right-hand side uh, that you can click and take it to Amazon and order it. They don't have a Kindle version. They only have hardback, and it's available through Amazon and probably other places, if you like to use used book places, you can grab them. We always have them in stock uh, in our bookstore at the church. 303-690-3000. While we wait, let's read today's entry. Do not forsake me is the title. The psalm is 38, uh, the psalm or the scriptures, Psalm thirty-eight twenty-one. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Here's the Devo. We frequently pray that God will not forsake us in our hours of trials and tests. We need, however, to use this prayer all the time. There is not a moment in our life that we can do without His constant upholding. Whether in light or in darkness, in fellowship or in temptation, we need to pray, 
Do not forsake me, O Lord. Hold me up, and I shall be safe. A little child learning to walk needs the hand of her mother. The ship without a captain drifts from its course. We cannot make it without continued aid from above. Pray, do not forsake me, O Lord. Father, do not forsake your child, or I will fall by the hand of the enemy. Shepherd, do not forsake your lamb, or I will wander from the safety of the fold. Great vineyard keeper, do not leave your plant, or I will wither and die. Do not forsake me, O Lord, now or at any moment in my life. Do not forsake me in my joys, lest they fully enlarge my heart. Do not forsake me in my sorrow, lest I murmur against you. Do not forsake me during my repentance, lest I hope, lest I lose the hope of pardon and fall into despair. Do not forsake me in the days of my strongest faith, lest my faith degenerate into presumption. Do not forsake me. Without you, I am weak. With you, I am strong. Do not forsake me. My path is dangerous and full of snares, and I desperately need your guidance. The hen does not forsake her chickens. Cover me with the feathers, and under your wings I will take refuge. Be not far from me. Trouble is near, and there is none to help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. 303-690-3000. You might have heard a phone call come through. You know, I remember I, we always uh, we always try to re- remind everyone in the, the congregation to turn their cell phones off, you know, so there's not a destruct, distraction in, in, in during the Bible study. And, you know, some pastors can be a little more strict on that than others. And, and something happened to me years ago that uh, changed my whole perspective on that. Uh, we were teaching, uh, this, these were the days when we rented a little building on uh, at, from the Episcopal Church here in, in Aurora, Colorado. Uh, we were meeting in a school and looking for places for midweek Bible study. So Sundays we met in a school, and then on Thursday nights, our midweek Bible study, um, we rented this shack, really is all they would rent to us, uh, is this shack where we could gather and probably cram about 60 people in there. Uh, maybe seventy if we were if if we were able, and uh, you know we had a Bible study. It was real small, super super small, um, smaller than a double a single wide trailer, and you know we made that that statement uh, at the beginning of the Bible study. Hey everybody, turn your cell phones off and put it on silent. And and about ten minutes into the Bible study, a phone went off, and you know you're looking at everybody, and I'm trying to ignore it. And teach, you know, teach along, and and it just kept going and going, and and we couldn't ignore it anymore. But the thing is, is that it wasn't ringing in the in front of me. It was ringing in behind me, in the back of me. And I'm like, what is it that there's nobody on the worship team? You know, it was a a worship leader and maybe a person on the cajon, um, but there was nobody back there. We we're teaching Bible study. Well, I had put my jacket on the drums, on the, the drum, uh, you know, on the cajon thing. I had laid my jacket over there, and my phone was in my jacket, and I did not turn my phone off that evening. And so it was my phone ringing while I was teaching, and, you know, I, I, I've got to give grace. God gave me grace. I'm going to give grace. And so it just happened to me right now during the radio. So sorry. 303 690 3,000 is the number. Lines are full, and that's great. We're going to go to line number one is Nick calling from Centennial, Colorado. Nick, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to hear from you. Hey, what's going on? Um, well, so I've 
been new to this uh, radio station recently, um, and I've been listening to a lot of sermons lately. Um, okay. And uh, I've been hearing a lot about the end days, and I've heard that term a lot um, just the last couple weeks while listening to this radio station that we're in the end days, end times. Um, and so I was hoping to get a little explanation uh, on that, like how long have we been in that? Do we have an explanation of how long? We will be in the end days, um, and where sort of that comes from biblically. That That's a really good question. Uh, I think as pastors, sometimes when we're teaching, uh, we'll use phrases and we'll refer to things, and and if we're not careful, we'll forget that on occasion, I mean really all the time, we need to define our terms. And if I had to define the phrase end times, the end times would be the time between the ascension of Jesus Christ, and that is the the last thing that happened with Jesus on on the earth. He was crucified. He was beaten. Then he was hung on a Roman cross and crucified. Uh, that was a form of execution uh, that the Romans used. He was taken down off of the cross, buried in a tomb. A, a, a stone was rolled before the door. It was sealed with a Roman seal, and it was guarded by Roman guards. And then the Bible declares, and many witnesses attest, that three days later, Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, and he walked the earth for, a few time, for, a, for many days, and then he ascended uh, into heaven. And he went into heaven uh, to the presence of the Father, and that ascension came with a promise that he would return. So the end times is, is probably a, a technical, it would be a technical term, that would refer to the time between the ascension of Christ and the rapture of the church or the return of Jesus Christ. There's some debate okay. uh, on people of, of the rapture when it happens, but let's just say that this, between the ascension and the return of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a long time. We're talking 2,000 years now, and you go, wait a minute, are we more, uh, is, are the end times of the disciples the same end times that we're experiencing? Like, were they referring to the same thing? The answer is yes. I believe that God created, uh, that God created the, the expectancy of the soon return of Jesus Christ for every generation to, liz, to live as if he could come at any time. But in a very real way, the days in which we live, you and I, uh, not only are we seeing things that no other generation has seen, not only do we see some of the things happening in the world that could very well fulfill biblical prophecy, like a worldwide religion, like a worldwide economic system, uh, what technology has done, knowledge increasing, I mean, we can go on and on, that, that by the time Peter wrote, he even said that our salvation is nearer now than it ever was, and our generation can say that as well. And then there's some technical things, some signs that are going to come just before the coming of the Lord. Jesus says in Luke 21, there'll be an increase in earthquakes, famines, pestilences, um, there'll be fearful events, there'll be dramatic, great signs in heaven. So there are some things that, that we could see that we know the end times weren't the first century, weren't the second century. We know that with absolute certainty because Jesus didn't return. Right. And so now we're in a generation of great anticipation, and we can say with some of the things that we see in our own in our own time period that certainly in a in a broad sense we're in the end times, but I think in a narrow sense you could say that we're in the end times as well. 
right. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, that was just a term I hadn't heard before, so I appreciate you uh, breaking that down like that. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great question. I hope the pastors listening in and Bible teachers remember that we we got to define our terms, uh, and and when we do, great understanding comes. Just like you know, you go, oh, okay, I get it. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay. Bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Three zero three six nine. Zero three thousand is the number. Let's see what. Who's next? Line two is. Tim, Tim from Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. So I'm in my car, so hopefully my car's exhaust won't shouldn't get too loud. Um, I'm okay. driving to Virginia. Um, okay. So I, I spent a lot of time studying the Bible, and I sort of over the years I've sort of have gone to the Old Testament. And a lot of people seem to frown upon that. They just think that it's kind of old hat, why are you doing that? But I feel like there's sort of, there's mysteries all over the place that are in there, and there's a mystery, I think, that's in Genesis 48, and it has to do with the blessing that Jacob gave to his two grandsons from Joseph. Yes. And So my first question is, do you think it's a reasonable thing or a fruitful thing to look in such an old book and see how something in Genesis 48 might apply today. Is that where do you think as Christians we really should just stick with the New Testament and focus our attention on, on the good news and sharing the gospel, which which I strive to do, but I just feel I just feel like this urge to study the Old Testament. And I just wanted to get your opinion on that and maybe talk about Genesis 48, but I wanted to get your ask that question first. Well, I, I really believe uh, you. You happen to have stumbled across a, across a Bible study, uh, or excuse me, a radio station uh, with Bible teachers associated with primarily the same family of churches, uh, Calvary Chapel. That's dedicated. Uh, we have been discipled, trained, and dedicated to teaching the whole Bible to develop the whole believer from Genesis to Revelation, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, and as uh, one theologian has put it, and many people have repeated it, but I, I first heard it from a man by the name of Norm Geisler. Um, he taught us that the uh, Old Testament contains the New Testament concealed, while the New Testament has the Old Testament revealed. And it's a very important thing to grasp the entirety. For example, let's just say that uh, we do happen to come across a church and, and leadership that says, oh, don't worry about the Old Testament. Um, what do you do when you eliminate the first 11 chapters of Genesis that give the whole complete summary of the, of all, of the beginning, middle, and end of God's plan for, for humanity just in the first 11 chapters? Uh, right. From, from, the, from the origin of everything until the future of where Messiah will come from to save, uh, to save humanity from sin. I mean— we we aren't that uh, we we are not that uh, we don't come from a frame of reference. The Bible is important. Um, there there are a lot of mysteries and wonderful things in the Old Testament, and quite frankly, a lot in the Old Testament is actually pretty easy to understand. It's pretty straightforward, pretty straight up. Like it's especially because most of the Old Testament is narrative, and understanding God's dealings with His people, the children of Israel. Uh, will and understanding um, where Messiah comes from, you know, the root of Christianity um, is Judaism, 
uh, in Judaism is developed in the Old Testament. And right. you'll never well, understand the New Covenant if you don't understand the Old Covenant. Right, so can I, can I just ask a few questions, direct questions about Genesis 48, then, and kind of get your opinion real quick, some short answers, if that's possible. Sure, let's see if I can. Okay. So what I find intriguing about this is that we always, as Christians, we're always talking about the Jews, Judaism, but Jacob stole his brother's birthright, and he yes. gave it to Joseph's two sons. And, and Joseph's two sons have nothing to do with Judah. So it's like, it's like the birthright blessing, the, the inheritance of the world was given to these two sons. And I find it interesting that that's really not talked about too much, but secondarily it says that these two sons would become a multitude in the midst of the earth. So if indeed they are a multitude in the midst of the earth, then should we not we look for the clues that Jacob gave and say, well, hey, maybe we can identify who these people are? Have you ever given that any thought? Well, in what way? It sounds like you're going in a direction that, that you have a point to make, so what's the point? Okay, the point is this. Um, when I read about Ephraim and Manasseh, it sounds an awful lot about Great Britain and the United States when you read what it says. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. The Bible, the Bible definitely does not include, does not identify them uh, as Britain and the United States. So I wouldn't go that far. But but okay. I do. I would agree with you. I would agree with you that when you come across these things, diligent study uh, is even if we even if we disagree on the end result, diligent study uh, is something that you definitely want to do. But I would disagree with that conclusion. Okay. All right. That's fine. I'm with you. All right, well, that's, that's but, all. I appreciate the time. Okay. Great. Thanks. Thanks for calling. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. I, I really like uh, what Tim has to offer in the sense of diligently studying the Old Testament. Uh, it, it, is, it, is a, it, it is the Bible, and so much of Messiah. You might, have heard, you might have heard of the red cord of redemption that flows through every single book of the Bible. Uh, knowing not only uh, is Jesus uh, the, prof- the prophetic looking forward of Messiah to come, but but also the heart and the character and the nature of God is revealed, his plan and, and purposes. So I hope you're in a church that teaches through the Bible verse by verse, uh, chapter by chapter, uh, book by book, that um, just going through topicals all the time, although we do topicals, our our topical teaching is more textual topical through the book of a Bible, but you know, you're not getting the full counsel of God. You're not, you know, you're not, if you're not receiving the full counsel of God, uh, you're missing out. 303-690-3000. Let's go to line number three is Stephen. He's calling from Denver, Colorado. Stephen, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Hey, uh, so I had a question. Um, I, I was reading Matthew and, uh, um, you know, there was, a verse that said, uh, you know, if you didn't, you know, Jesus saying, uh, if you deny me before man, I'll go before my father and say, I do not know you. And I'm just wondering, is that like a, one of those like unforgivable sins? So like if somebody denies G- knowing Jesus to save their life, is that uh, unforgivable sin? Yeah, there, there really is only one unforgivable sin. Uh, Jesus referred to it as the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and the actual time, the actual evidence of that in in this particular group's life was 
attributing the work of Jesus to the devil, but behind the scenes in the heart of them, uh, heart of those that were attributing the work of Jesus to the devil was a darkened, blackened heart that crossed the line uh, of no return. They crossed the line of no return in denying Jesus, and, and they crossed the line of no return while they were still on the earth, and they committed the unforgivable sin. So yes, um, it, it is... Um, it is very possible to commit the unforgivable sin on the earth today, and it's it's very possible uh, to to be so hardened in your heart and so dead in your trespasses and sins that you have no desire whatsoever. You resist the Holy Spirit. Uh, you resist uh, the the wooing of the Holy Spirit to the point where you attribute the acts of God to the devil, and you're just so far from Him that there's you you've committed a sin that you can't recover from. But here's the thing. We don't know. We don't know if someone's committed that sin. We, we don't know. And so what we do is we continue to evangelize with the hopes that somebody hasn't gotten that far. Oh, okay. All right, yeah, because I, I was going to ask about uh, Peter uh, when he denied Jesus three times. Uh, uh, you know, when Jesus was being taken in, I was... I was uh, going to ask about Peter and whether he committed that, that sin, but when you explained the blackened heart and everything like that, I, I don't think he did then. Right, and we know he didn't, uh, and that's a good observation that you're making as you're reading, because we know he didn't because he repented. And and we know he didn't because Jesus, remember, when he told Peter, you're going to deny me three times, he said something to Peter that was very in- encouraging. Whether Peter heard it or not, we don't, you know, we don't. whether he received it or not, we don't know. But he said, Jesus said this, remember, he told Peter, and when you return, strengthen your brethren. And that's just such a good encouragement to us because... You know, sometimes we think we're into something that will just never return. But we, and and a lot of times when when folks call and they ask the question, they'll say, uh, "Hey Ed, you know," they'll ask me personally. They'll say, "Have I committed the the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Have I committed the unforgivable sin?" And and I can say with pretty good assurance that they haven't. And the reason that I can say with pretty good assurance that they haven't is because they care. People that commit the sin, uh, you know, this unforgivable sin, don't care. So they won't ask a question. They don't care. But people that are going, man, I don't know, and I'm not sure, they're curious. And that curiosity tells me that there's a spark of hope and life in their life still. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes absolute sense. That's a great question, Steve. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you very much. God bless Have you, brother. Day. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to move to line number one is Nick. Nick's calling from here in Aurora, Colorado. Nick, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed. How are you doing? Good, man. What's up? Uh, not much. Um, so I was calling because I've been having some issues um, over since, I guess, uh, my marriage started and everything. Uh, so we're almost at two years being married. Um, and she, she's a non-believer. Uh, it, it's pretty firm, I guess, a little bit towards the uh, last question that was just on the line. Um, but you know, I've been, I've been praying, I've been going to a youth group and praying to soften her heart and everything like that, but it's, it's beginning to get to the point that it's a little bit frustrating and I wanted, you know, some advice, your thoughts. Um, so with respect to that, she, uh, she, she doesn't believe at all. And I've, I've tried talking to her about, you know, some of the Bible studies I do and all the youth group and the messages. Um, and she, she sort of shrugs it off. 
um, and we have a seven and a half month old son. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned because, you know, I, I, I feel sort of as a job in my life to, um, you know, bring her and him uh, to Jesus. Um, but I'm having a little bit of difficulty uh, with respect to that because I, I don't want it to be a lost cause. I don't want to, you know, spend my entire life trying to bring them to Jesus um, and then have it to have, like, no avail uh, and everything like that. Do you have any advice with respect to that? Um, I do. I do. You, you've been... Uh, the Bible. The Bible tells us. Did, did were you a believer when you married her? Yes. So the Bible tells us that we shouldn't be unequally yoked. Mm-hmm. And part of the difficulty that you're experiencing right now is a consequence of that decision. Yes. You love her. You're married. Stay married. Stay in this relationship. But walking into it the way that you did, uh, the Bible warns it's going to be hard. And and now you're living it out. But you're living it out. And and you're you love her, and you're going to serve her, and and you're going to face some hard hard times, harder than normal marriage. I wouldn't say normal marriages, but harder than marriages that are two believers, um, because there's a disconnect spiritually. But not all is lost because God honors the institution of marriage, and God honors your love for her, and and because she knows the gospel, and because you've already clearly shared it with her, your main goal in marriage is to be a good husband, to love her like Christ loved the church, to learn what it means to be a good husband, and know that you, you know, you're going to be, like I shared somebody called yesterday, and, and we talked about there's two ways that you're going to share with your wife. You're going to share with your words, and you're going to share with your actions. And the one that's going to have the most effect in softening her heart is going to be your actions. And it will be the words of the gospel that God uses to bring her to salvation, but it's going to be your actions that's going to bring her to a place of reception. She's like, she may be given a lot of resistance right now, but I'll tell you, she's going to challenge you at every at every turn for you to live like you say you believe. And okay. So I want to take some of the pressure off of you a little bit here and say, look, just be the kind of husband that God wants you to be. Let's Let's spend some time focusing on what it what does it mean to be a good husband what does it mean to love my wife like Christ loved the church what does it mean to sacrifice on her behalf you know looking at and i would encourage you to pick up a book uh, and this is this is a book that we use all throughout our church it's called married and how to stay that way okay married and how to stay that way and there's another one uh, and i forget the title I'll, i'll have to look it up during the break but it's all about being married to an unbeliever and some practical tips, uh, and it actually is from the marriage of of uh, Lee Strobel, uh, who God has used in an incredible way. He he's written many books uh, to help us understand in apologetics, defending the faith. But his wife got saved first, and she okay. wrote a book of what it was like being married to an unbeliever. I think that will be a totally. If you stick around during the break, as soon as we come back, I'll, I'll announce it on the air what the name of that book is. Okay, I, I, I have to go into work. Um, just one more follow-up uh, with respect to that is, um, you know, I, I know God already has his list and everything of the people that are going to be saved and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I, I'm having a little big difficulty with, you know, I, I don't want to be mad at God if, you know, I put in all this time and he already knew ahead of time that, you know, she was, you know, I not necessarily a lost cause, but, you know, lost to um, that eternity. Um so I, I just want some. Well, knowing ahead of time, knowing ahead of time, the Bible says that God has foreknowledge. 
But the Bible never says anywhere in the entirety of the scriptures that anyone is predestined to go to hell. Okay. The Bible says that that Jesus died for all. The, the opportunity for salvation is given to all. And because God foreknows something does not mean he's the cause of it. Okay. Everyone going to hell will be of their own wicked choice and rejection of God. They choose to die in their sins. So don't be mad at God for the sinful decisions of your wife uh, or anyone else. Trust in God because he sent Jesus Christ to die for your wife. Okay. All right, brother. God bless you. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hey, we're coming up on the first break of today. Yes, it is a different voice on this Friday afternoon. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm sitting in for Eric this afternoon. Uh, Glad that you joined us. We're going to be away just for a little bit, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to today's edition of Calvary Live. We're in the second half of the program, so glad that you joined us. You're right. It's Friday, and you're you're listening in. You're wondering, man, where's Pastor Eric uh, from down at Rocky Mountain and Calvary? Rocky Mountain Calvary, Colorado Springs. Eric's not with us today. He took a day off. I'll be praying for him and his family. Uh, I'm sitting in uh, as his replacement, and I'm always grateful to be able to do the show. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado, Grace FM and Calvary Live originates from our church. It's a it's a ministry outreach of our church, uh, and we've been uh, we've been blessed with the opportunity to purchase two full power radio stations. Uh, one up here in the uh, north, you know, up in the northern part of Colorado, uh, Denver, Greeley, Fort Collins, Cheyenne, Wyoming, all the way down to Castle Rock, eighty nine point seven FM, Grace FM, and then down in Colorado Springs, one hundred one point seven. And uh, it's Grace FM down there as well. And we are also airing Calvary Live on the Hope FM network. And they have a lot of different dials there. You can go to, to their website uh, on Hope FM. And we're being aired in New Jersey, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. So grateful to be a part of your day today. And we, I wanted to, I was looking for that, for that book. Uh, for Lee Strobel, and I didn't find it. And so it's going to be hard if I um, look for it and do the show at the same time. So let me just one more search. (laughs) Here it is. Surviving a spiritual mismatch in marriage. Surviving a spiritual mismatch in marriage. It's written by his wife because she was the believer. So I'm not sure if it's written primarily uh, to women or to wives, but uh, I, I know that God did a great work in that marriage, and there and and God was just so gracious to the Strobel family and to the body of Christ at large. Uh, we have Todd calling in from Castle Rock. Todd wanted to give a word of encouragement real quick for Nick. So, Todd, welcome to the program. Ah, uh, thank you. Um, so, hey, um, I've been going to Calvert Chapel, um, Castle Rock, and uh, Pastor uh, Dave Love is is there. And um, when I met my wife, she was, uh, it used to be Mormon, so she wasn't even that anymore. And um, so she wasn't even sure she believed in God, and I kind of went against, uh, I had made a profession of faith when I was uh, quite a bit younger and just hadn't been to church in years. And uh, 
kind of slipped into a drinking problem for about four or five years, and here I am married to a person who's not saved, and I wasn't even sure I was. And um, I, uh, by the grace of God, it's, it's been a little over two years clean, and uh, we had twin girls. And um, oh, and I thought, man, um, this is my—I'm um, starting over with another marriage here, and I'm with somebody who doesn't believe. And what am I supposed to do? I mean, marriage is hard enough when— uh, you know, when you're both doing the right thing. Now we got kids, and uh, I've got issues. And uh, I just started taking the girls to church, and um, and I just faithfully kept taking them to church. And I don't know that my life was necessarily a light and a witness like it could have been, but something yes. happened. And all I can say is I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and I just thought, you know, God, I'm just going to trust you on this one. Um, I'm not going to win her over with any clever... Um, argument or any um, debate or anything like that. I'm just going right. to, for once in my life, I'm going to leave something in your hands, and I'm going to put you to the test and see if you really are who you say you are. And yes. uh, she's different. She's different. I mean, she's been going to church uh, with me for uh, mm, almost a little over a year now. And, uh, and my mom and dad, my mom, they're both uh, believers. They're still around. And after talking with her, my mom is said to me, she's, uh, she's, she's, she's a believer. She's, she's changed. And she, uh, she just got through reading the whole Bible through. I mean, it's unbelievable. Oh, wow. Um, I haven't even gotten through it. And, uh, so <laughs> I would like to offer encouragement to the caller that just called in and doesn't see any hope and doesn't see any light, any evidence. Um, don't give up, man. I mean, I'm telling you, man, just keep praying because God yes. really is something you can't believe the way he can turn things around. If you, if you just, you know, stay out of it, don't argue leave it up to him. And, and it's just, I can't explain it's a miracle. It really is. And that's just one of many. I just yes. wanted to offer that up. Well, thank you. I I'm, I hope he stuck around just for a little bit to, to hear that update. Thanks so much. Yep. You bet. All right. Bye-bye. We'll see you. 303-690-3000 is the number. And God, we just rejoice uh, with these marriages that you are showing yourself faithful uh, in their lives. And and, and for everyone that is unequally yoked listening, uh, for whatever reason, whatever the circumstances, God, I pray for them and lift them up to you, knowing that you are faithful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to go to line number two now. Line number two is Jerome from, from Aurora, Colorado. Jerome, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you for uh, taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I have a question. Um. It started with, uh, um, I was at home, uh, a knock on the door, and it was uh, two Mormon missionaries. Um, you know, they just wanted to have a conversation. And, you know, I'm one to never push away people. Um, so uh, I never dove into their beliefs before until now, okay. until, I, you know, they start asking me questions, and, you know, I have my own questions. And, um, you know, just some of the basic stuff, you know, that I can say, okay, you know, this is, kind of the difference between, you know, their beliefs and what I believe in. But um, just one thing that I kind of have an issue with uh, kind of figuring out a question or an answer for them, which is uh, baptism. You know, they believe that, you know, you, you know, besides, you know, accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you have to be baptized by someone ordained in their church. And, um, you know, there is, you know, they'll point out a couple of scriptures that, you know, Jesus or some other references that kind of do line up with, you know, baptism is very important. 
but then you know I pointed out uh, an example with the uh, the thief that was hung next to Jesus. You know, he asked Jesus, you know, don't forget me. And Jesus said, you know, you'll be in paradise with me. You know, he wasn't baptized. So, you know, Good is, point. is there anything that, or, or any scriptures that, you know, kind of, you know, point to that you do have to be baptized, you know, for a Christian, or, um, you know, just, just anything to help that, me out with that question? <laughs> well, that's the key. You just, you, you may not have, you, you may not have realized it, but for a Christian— you should be baptized. Yes, you're commanded to be baptized. Uh-huh. Only Christians are baptized. Uh, an unbeliever going into the water, unless they repent of their sins and they're born again by God in that moment, the only thing that's happening is they're getting wet. Water yeah. doesn't save anyone, but blood saves. So you said it, you're already thinking it, but I want to draw out your thinking. You're thinking biblically and you're talking biblically, and that's the key. Only believers are water baptized. Anyone else that's water baptized, water doesn't save them. It doesn't matter whose water it is or who does the baptizing. Mm-hmm. Only Salvation only comes from God, and only believers are baptized. Okay, so so um, one, one of the things that, you know, we kind of just go back and forth is, um, you know, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And, yes. you know, for example, you know, me, I— I was baptized, but if I wasn't baptized, you know, the argue, the argument would be, you know, I accepted Jesus, but I have to be baptized in order to kind of complete that salvation. So my question is, if someone accepted Jesus and didn't and was never baptized before they died, you know, are they still guaranteed to go to heaven, you know, even though, you know, they accepted Christ with all their heart, you know, they lived out their life, you know, as a, you know, a good servant, but it wasn't baptized, you know, is it still guaranteed, like the Bible says, you What's know, they a, that's will a good be question. So let's ask, the, in order to ask that, answer that question, we've got to consider who we're dealing with. If I have a person that, that says, I don't want to be baptized, I don't care what the Bible says, I'm a believer and I'm not going to be baptized, I'm going to be concerned about that person. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know whether they're saved or not, but an attitude like that concerns me. And I'm going to tell yeah. them, here's what the Bible says, but a person that is saved and and hasn't been baptized yet. Um, you you have the thief on the cross. You know he got in without being water baptized. Uh, and the idea that the the timing of water baptism isn't given to us, although it does, the Bible does seem to imply that it happens pretty quickly after yeah. um, salvation. But consider this: in the life of Jesus, uh, he wasn't baptized till he was thirty years old. That's true. That's the example that he gave to us. He wasn't baptized, although he did go through the 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 old covenant. He was circumcised, and and he his parents offered sacrifices for him. Uh, and he went through the ritual baths of the mikvah. Uh, when it came to water baptism, that didn't happen until he was thirty years old. Um, and while while we can't speak of salvation in that sense of of the Son of Man, God in human flesh, he did do it to fulfill all righteousness. And I believe uh, I believe a person. Can, can find himself in heaven without being water baptized. But if I come across somebody that refuses to be water baptized, I'm going to treat them uh, with great caution and very strongly that you can't just blow off the commands of God. That That's not a good thing. Okay. So, so um, I, mean, I don't want to take up all your time here. Um, so in pretty much a short answer, um, is there any, like, scriptures that can 
you know, kind of back that up, that answer up. Like, you know, you don't necessarily have to. I mean, if you, you know, go up throughout your life not really being taught that you have to be baptized, you know, is, is there anything that kind of backs that up, or is it kind of just like— Well, there's a couple things that back that up. Number one is the, is the very nature of salvation. Uh, the very nature of salvation— is not works. We're not saved by righteous works, the Bible says. Um, mm. Let's see, works of righteousness. Let me find it. It's in Timothy, I think, or Titus. Here, let me see here. Let me find it for us. In Titus chapter 3. Okay. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. That verse alone, I mean, yeah. we could build, uh, there's there's so much in the scriptures that speak of being saved by grace, um, by faith, by grace through faith, uh, and it's not, and this one's very clear now, you would add, we are not saved by our works. Our works prove that we're saved. And oh, yes, okay. Baptism is a work of righteousness. It is not something that saves someone. It's not a part of the covenant relationship with God that you follow through with all the covenant steps and therefore, you know, you can be you, you can be a part of the saved group of people if you just do what you're told. Believers are baptized. That's just the way it is. Uh, and uh you're not saved by baptism. You're saved by grace, and it's not by works of righteousness that you're saved. That that verse alone it will answer just about everyone. That I mean, they'll probably still argue, but you got to understand when people come when people come to your door, um, they they're gonna they're arguing. They're they're just coming to argue, and you got to yeah. be really careful, like a seed planter, to drop things into their heart so that when they leave, they have to think about it on their bikes as they ride away. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, uh, sir, and um, definitely will be listening on uh, furthermore. Thank you. Okay. God bless you, man. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, we got a text question that was along this line as well. Doesn't Mark sixteen sixteen equate baptism with salvation? He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Um, consider this. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. So we have a positive and a negative. The positive is we have belief, and the negative we have belief. So where does baptism, um, where does this particular passage uh, fit in with baptism? Um, think about it this way. Um, even with Acts chapter 2, verse 38, um, is another one of those passages that, that will be brought up to say, um, Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what? where does baptism really play in the part of salvation? Now, because if you look at Peter here, it sounds like Peter is saying you should be baptized so for, so that. Sometimes we interpret the word for, F-O-R, as so that you will be saved. But there's another way of looking at this, and that is be baptized because of the remission of your sins, because of. And you go, Ed, where did you get that from? Well, consider, first of all, it's from the context. Salvation happens first, then baptism. Um, but, and same with Mark 16, 16. Who, who's condemned? Those that don't believe. Not those that aren't baptized, those that don't believe. So there's an expectation that believers are baptized. That's an expectation, and I would agree with that. But the, the negative side of that verse is you're condemned if you don't believe. 
But consider this. If we have a war hero, and thank you everyone that has served in the military. Uh, we appreciate you. We, we Even if you haven't heard that, thank you for your service that we might experience the kind of freedom we have uh, here in our country to get the gospel out and to live free lives. Thank you. And if a war hero comes back from war and receives a medal, and while they're receiving the medal, and I'm uh, please forgive me, I'm not familiar with the different types of medals and such, uh, but you know, a medal for bravery or for courage, and the the person in charge says, "I now give you this medal for courage." Well, he's not giving you courage by that medal; he's giving you that medal because of your courage. So I'm giving you this medal, or I give a gift to my daughter. I give this to you for uh, for your love. Well, I'm not giving her something so she can love me. I'm giving her because I love her. And it's the resultant cause, not the, I forget the other word, forgive me for that, but it's the resultant cause of an action that's taken place. It's it's not the precipita- uh, precipitatory cause where baptism then leads to salvation. Uh, and the nature of salvation is very clear. Uh, it is by grace through faith. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to move on to Mary. Mary is in Baltimore, Maryland. Mary, welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor Ed. How are you this evening? Good. How are you? Hello, Pastor Ed. How are you this evening? Good. You, if you were listening to the radio, you, you'll have to turn it off and listen to me on the phone. Yes, sir. I did. I'm, right. I'm away from the radio. I was on the okay. radio. Yes, sir. Perfect. What can I do for you, Mary? Um, I listen to your program often, and um, I experienced the death of a very dear friend. And a very dear friend of mine and I have been discussing death. And uh, we were in the conversation of death, and uh, we were debating as to whether cremation was or was not acceptable with God. I don't believe um, there's anything wrong with cremation, biblically. Okay. Uh, now, we spoke um, as far as uh, with cremation that, uh, you know, later when God comes uh, to and creates the new world, that, you know, we all rise from our graves. But yes. if we're cremated, how can we rise and where is our soul? Well, let's consider this for a second. Our soul is not in our body at death. Uh, And and there is a very, uh, for those that have walked through a very difficult loss, um, there's a big distinction between a body that's alive. Like, like for example, um, in in our life, when when we were in the hospital night and day uh, with our son, he was very much alive. He was in a coma, but he was alive. And we were Uh anticipating every moment of him being alive. But after yeah. uh, his wife placed him in hospice and 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 he went through those days, uh, it was pretty clear uh, that his soul left him when we came to visit him. Uh, that uh-huh. was just his body laying in that bed. That body was then taken from hospice as many as many um, people have lost a loved one and that taken to a funeral home where it was embalmed and put into a casket uh, and a, a memorial service was was held and then that casket was put into the ground six feet underground, and the, the, de- the process of decay started already. And, uh-huh. and so the bodies are going, the bodies are not, they don't remain the same 
over time. And my pastor used to teach us, Pastor Chuck Smith, would tell us that cremation does in 20 minutes what the natural processes accomplish in 20 years. And God is bigger. God is much bigger uh, than than what we can think of, and that in the new body and what what we're going to even in Jesus' own body, there was a there was three days of a decay. Remember, I was just we just visited actually the gravesite of our son today. I took a lunch and I went down with my wife and we prayed and uh, we read the scriptures there and we're thinking about heaven and just so encouraged and and I was thinking you know in in relationship to the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I made the statement, you know, my son is not there. Uh, my mm-hmm. son is in the presence of the Lord. And in the resurrection, um, you know, like with Jesus' body, Jesus had three days already. His body, that body that Jesus was in was already starting to decay. Remember with Lazarus? Yeah. In four days, it said that he stank. It was that bad. Just in four days. So Jesus was yeah. there three days. And and yet in his resurrected body, God put it all together and... That's what's going to happen with us, no matter the state of decay that we're in. So it's perfectly all right and acceptable if we are cremated. I believe so. I believe that that's a personal decision. Um, Uh Some people uh, prefer in our Western culture to, you know, and burial was very common uh, in the first century. The Jews still bury today. Uh, The the Eastern culture is very much burial. Um, But, but, you know, think of it this way. Um, There are tragic accidents where someone uh, unfortunately will die in a fire or in a yeah, car that's crash. what we brought up. We're like, well, what yeah. about um, you know, these mishaps with fires and and houses and stuff? You know, I mean, yeah, God is much bigger. God is much bigger, and to me, I always like instead of arguing about it, I always like encouraging people: just make a a, a con, you know a personal decision between you and the Lord, and 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 if people are listening in, if you have a preference. For yourself, because it's your decision, then make that make sure that's in writing, so that after yeah. you pass, it's in writing, and you go, okay, this is what this is like my parents. That's exactly what my parents did, and because I had the the ability to make decisions for my parents, I didn't have that with my son, but with my mm-hmm. parents, I had the ability to make decisions because they trusted me. Uh, I made the decisions that they desired. Yes, yes. Well, my my desire is to be cremated. I mean, I, you know, I don't mind the viewing for a day and things to that sure. effect. But uh-huh. my concern is I don't, you know, I have a life insurance policy. But again, I don't want to burden myself with the my son with the expense. I would much rather him take the money and do something else very productive with it. And that's a you decision know? that's fully yours to make, and I don't think uh, God would be unpleased with that. Oh, that's that's comforting to know, because I have God in my life, and He works in my life every day. I know He does. You know, I'm disabled, and um, uh, right now I have no income. And um, oddly enough, uh, you know, there's something I'll say, man, I wish I had, and just in in one fashion or another that particular item or that need will be fulfilled. And I know it's God working in my life every day. Yes. Amen. Well, thanks for Wonderful. calling. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, it's comforting to know that you feel and agree with um, our outlook and that it is acceptable. And uh, I think it is. And, I, frown on it. and even Thank if you for your time, disag- uh, Pastor Ed, and you have a blessed evening. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
hey, we're coming up on the end of our program, but I think we can fit another another call in. And, and I would just say this, even if people disagree with that and you say, no, no, I think we should be buried, that's, that also is a decision that you can make unto the Lord. And I would support that decision as well. Um, I think that, that you want to do what is going to give you the most comfort, um, honoring the loved one, and to give you the most comfort. It's hard enough. Uh, it's a hard enough time. Uh, you don't want the, the difficulty of, of, of that decision, especially if you can make it before you die. All right, we're going to move on to line number two is Olivia from Denver. Olivia, welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor Ed. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I just had a um, quick question about sleep paralysis. Like, I experienced it twice, like a couple years ago. I never really, like, got an... Well, I never really got an answer researching it, but I've been told that sometimes... Like, our body doesn't, like, it protects us from acting out our dreams. And sometimes you wake up too early. Yes. And then I've also read that it is demonic. According to different sources. So I was just, you know, I never understood. I I don't, yeah, I, I I don't subscribe to it being demonic. I mean, I think there could be some demonic elements to it. For an unbeliever, for someone that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, man, the, everything's wide open for them. The, 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 they've given themselves completely over to the demonic realm, and anything's open for them. I remember some really weird stuff, especially when I was on high on something or when I was drinking. Uh, man, I, I gave myself completely over to the demonic realm, and I'm so grateful God was gracious with me. But for believers, you know, muscle paralysis and sleep is actually necessary, like you said, um, so that you don't act out your dreams. Um, you don't knock them out in a in a violent way, in a in a hurtful way. Uh, you don't jump out of a window. So, so there's a part that of of what I believe God has put into our bodies to help us rest. It's part of the promise of God that the Bible says in Psalm I think 138, but I don't, I don't remember exactly that that God is going to give His beloved rest. Uh, and and so I don't personally subscribe to the demonic part. I think we ascribe too many things to the demonic realm. Um, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit's in you, and the, the, the devil can only deal with you from the outside. He cannot possess, he can oppress, but he cannot possess a believer. Okay. All right. Um, thank you, Pastor. I just, you know, because I, you know, I definitely am saved, but I've always, you know what I mean? I've it's heard, scary. Um, like a friend of mine in high school talk about it. Like she was experiencing it, but she never really pointed to that. She just said she just has experiences with sleep paralysis. And when I looked it up, um, and I was actually at a retreat. Yes. Um, they were talking about it too, but they, you know, I didn't really say anything. I was just listening. They, they felt it was a demonic presence. Well, it could be a demonic presence, but the demonic presence isn't going to have any ability over your body. Like, what's a demon going to do from the outside that's going to bring about paralysis inside of your body? Okay. Like, that's not possible. According to my understanding of the scriptures, that's not possible. Could it have some demonic element to it for a believer? Yes. Could it be, uh, you know, the consequences of some bad decisions? Yes. Could it be the residual effects of unrepentant sin? Or could it be the residual effects of drug use? Or yes, yes, and yes. But is it 
can we attribute it to, I'm just, I rebuke you uh, in the name of Jesus type of environment? No, because for believers, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And most often, and I, you know, I don't know for sure, but most often the reality of, of the situation is a physiological, it's a, it's a physical condition. And, and, and like I said, um, those that study these things say that muscle, muscle paralysis is actually necessary or we'd be really messed up acting out our dreams. Okay. All right. Thank you, Pastor. I was just um, curious about that. Well, let me pray for you. We're going to come up on the end of the show. We're like 30 seconds, but let me pray for you because we are going to ask God to intervene on your behalf. So God, I pray for my sister. I know it's hard for her as she's listening and trying to um, you know, come to terms with this sleep paralysis stuff. Lord, protect her and guard her. Give her a fresh vision of you, God. Reveal to her the source and reveal to her the solution in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Hey, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Uh, appreciate you being a part of our lives. I'm so grateful to come into your life every day uh, that I do get to host the show. Uh, continue to pray. Be in church this weekend. Go to church. Worship the Lord together. We'll be at Calvary Saturday night at 6 here in Aurora, Colorado, and Sunday morning, 845, 1045. We're going to do a follow-up message on our backsliding message last week. you got to be there. Invite everyone. Bring someone. God bless you. I think there's music. There it is. God bless you guys. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.